Hello, hello, everybody, and let me say a special hello to those watching online and at Buchanan. We have been in a series called Joe Knows, and we are in week three. And some of you, when you look up at me today in this place, you're going, what is he doing with that? Now, some of you see a playground ball. What I see when I hold this in my hand is something that fat kids' nightmares are made of. Now, what I mean by that, I was a chubby kid growing up, and I remember the days in PE where I would go and get tortured, and um, I remember seeing these balls being out and being like, oh, gosh, what are we going to play? Because here's the deal. Back in the day, I don't know how you play kickball today, but back in the day in kickball, you could get pegged to get out. Now, some of the students that are growing up today, y'all have no idea of the stuff that we went through back in the day. Also, now I hear they have these soft, really nice dodgeballs that you throw at people. That's so sweet. That's not how it went down back in the 80s and 90s, everybody. You were going to grow some tough skin or you just want to make it out alive. These were dodgeballs. So you would have the baseball player go get the ball and throw it at you. You being the chubby kid, being me, always got hit first. So what that meant was I was never the first one to be picked for sports. Because people would just size me up and be like, mm, no, I don't know if you can move very quickly. They don't know. I could have made that move back in the day pretty quickly, you know what I mean? But I remember in those moments, and it was really one of those things that it just forced me to feel so alone. Because typically, I was not the first one picked, I was the last one picked. And typically, I felt like no one saw me, and I felt pretty forgotten. And as we have been talking about Joe Knows, and we talked the first week a little bit about Bo Jackson, which is one of the most amazing athletes of our time, Bo Jackson ended up needing a hip replacement because he was running too fast. Have you ever heard of that? The brother hurt himself because he was running too fast. I never had that problem. Maybe y'all did back in the day, but I was never going to get this going too quickly, Okay. But he, he, he actually, I think, severed the artery, and he wasn't getting blood flow to it. But anyways, so he had a new hip. He had a hip replacement. Me and Bo Jackson are very similar because I have two new hips, and so me and him are on the same page. And he was out for almost two years for, from professional sports. And I'm sure, even though he had come so far and he was so athletic and he did so many amazing things in his career, I'm sure he had a season of feeling forgotten because he had almost two years without anybody reaching out and trying to get him to play, and he couldn't play until the Chicago White Sox took a chance on him. And can I just tell you, back in those days, like if you had a hip replacement or something like that, you typically didn't come back to play in professional sports. You typically were done. And so I'm sure he had a season of feeling forgotten. And maybe you're in a season in your life that kind of feels like those Charlie Brown movies. You know Charlie Brown and Lucy, right? She, Lucy would always be, hey, Charlie Brown, kick the football. And Charlie Brown would be like, no, nah, girl, I know what you're going to do with that football. And she'd be like, no, nah, Charlie, I got you. And so she would put the ball down, and Charlie would go to kick it, and he would miss it, and he would fall flat on his back. And maybe you're in a season where maybe you're feeling forgotten, or maybe you just feel like God is not keeping his end of the bargain. Maybe you feel like you'll get some, some, some steam going, you, things are starting to go well, and then all of a sudden the football will be moved so you cannot kick it. Where have you felt that God has forgotten about you? Let me get rid of this because I don't want to uh, throw it at anybody, but... 
Have you been in a place where you go, God, where are you? God, do you see me? God, I feel like you're not moving in this place. God, I've, I kind of feel like you may have left your throne for a season. Maybe for you it's an economic thing. Like the money that's not coming in that used to, or maybe you just lost your job and you're going, God, what are you doing? Do you not see me? Do you not hear me? When I surrendered my life to you, I thought things would go well, but they do not seem to be going well. Maybe in this season as we've been exposed to all this injustice and this pandemic, it's just weighing on you and you're wondering, God, where are you? Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's in a relationship that you had that you no longer had and you thought it was going to be forever. Or maybe you find yourself in a place that you want that and you long for that, but that has not yet come to your door. And you're wondering, God, where are you? Why don't you see me? Maybe you've been working really, really, really hard. Maybe you've been checking all the boxes, you've been putting in extra hours, but yet the promotion still has not come and you're going, God, why have you forgotten about me? Or maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe the diagnosis was not favorable and they ended up surrendering their life to it. Maybe someone you were close to died suddenly. Maybe your mom or your dad who you love so much who you felt like they died before their time. Maybe you're wondering, God, why have you forgotten me? For me in 2012, That was me. I was checking off the boxes. I was doing all the things that God called me to do. I was being obedient. I was working with students. I was being, you know, trying to be the best husband and dad and doing all the things. And then my older brother, who was my person, y'all, he was my person. He got me at family gatherings. I could look at him and we could giggle together because we would see my uncle and be like, ah, what's wrong with him? It was great. He was my person. And then all of a sudden he gets... Killed on a motorcycle, and I'm like, God, what are you doing? Did I not check off the boxes? Did I not do enough? Why is this a part of the narrative? And then some months later, my aunt passed away, and I'm going, God, what are you doing? Why have you forgotten about your servant? Why have you forgotten about someone who said yes to you? What is going on? Joe knows exactly how we feel in these situations. Because you got to think, if you, or if you watched last week, man, Joseph sold into slavery, goes to Potiphar's house, and he's doing great work at Potiphar's house, y'all. He's being above reproach, and then Potiphar's wife is like, oh, how you doing? And Joseph's like, I can't do this thing. Why would I do this thing against my master? I can't do this thing. And he was falsely accused, and then he gets thrown into jail. Things are not going well. And, and really, when I look at the life of Joseph, it helps me put some things in perspective because although I have gone through some really hard times, my brothers never sold me into slavery and threw me into a pit. I have never been to prison for an extended amount of time. I have never felt like I was in jail rotting away because of all of the circumstances and the choices that other people made. I haven't been there. And so it helps us put things in a bit of perspective. And we haven't gone through the the stuff that Joseph has gone through, but we will see in the story of Joseph that God has revealed himself even in these dark moments, even in the moments where Joseph could have very much felt forgotten, but God never forgot him. 
How do I know that? Because God doesn't pursue what is lost to lose it. And so over the next few moments, we're going to dive into the story of Joseph, and we're going to see that even though sometimes it feels like God is far away and not close, that he may have forgotten about us, that is not the nature, that is not the character of our God. And I hope that today you are reminded of this truth. And so as we dive in, let me pray for us. Dear Jesus, thank you for the story of Joseph. Lord, I have read this story a lot, and I have always, Lord, not liked this story because I'm like, what is going on? But I have seen through Joseph that he just remembered what was true. There were dark hours which will come. There were moments of doubting which will come. There were some hard things he had to walk through, which is a part of this broken life. But he kept his eyes fixed on you, and he knew that even though he didn't feel you were close, you were close, and that you truly were his ever-present help in a time of need. So would you remind us of what is true in this place today? We pray all of these things in your name. Amen. Joe knows that feeling alone and being alone can be two different things. Let me say that again. That would be something good to highlight, underline. Joe knows that feeling alone and being alone can be two different things. Feelings are great, but they're horrible leaders, everybody. They're great. God has given us to feel all the things and to navigate all the things, but they are not the best leaders. And so, There are times where we might feel very alone, but it doesn't mean that we are actually alone. Joe knows that feeling alone and being alone can be two different things. In Genesis chapter 39, verse 20, it says this. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, check this out, verse 21. The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. It says that in the midst of prison, in the midst of the valley, God did not leave Joseph. So that's a good reminder for us right here and right now. God has not forgotten you even if it feels like he has. That is not what he does. And as we read the narrative of Scripture, we see that God has never left any of his beloved. And he is not going to begin with you. He's not going to begin walking in a new way where he forgets his people and he forgets his beloved. No, that is not the character of our God. And even though it took 13 years, let's pause in that. 13 years for Joseph to see how God's hand had been moving the whole time fully. Joseph kept fixing his eyes and going, you know what? I am going to fix my eyes even though I'm going through something very difficult. And we know it's difficult. In Psalm 105, it says this, Joseph was sold as a slave. His feet were hurt with fetters. His neck was put in a collar of iron. And to what he had said came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. Joseph was in prison. I don't want us to get, oh, it was nice. He got three square meals a day. It was so wonderful. It was AC. No, this was not a good place. To be in a prison in Egypt in about 1500 BC, it was not pleasant. No one signed up for that vacation through sandals, everybody. It's like, whoa, see the pyramids? It's going to be good. No, it is not what you wanted to do. But here he was. And in the midst of this broken state, God is going to continue to move and work. And sometimes you have to take a step back so you can see the fingerprints of God a little clearer. 
And so let's begin in Genesis chapter 40, beginning in verse 1. It says this, Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master. The king of Egypt, Pharaoh, was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the same prison where Joseph was confined. Don't y'all find it interesting that they had a bad day at work and Pharaoh was like, go to jail. I can't even with you today. I've been hanging out with my kids a lot, and there are times where I'm like, go to jail. Just go to your room. But they keep coming out. Anyways, the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? Let's just notice this and we'll come back to it later. Like even though Joseph was in prison in the valley in the pit, he still noticed what others were going through as well. He still was able to see, wait a second, something is going on with them. So what, does that mean? what that shows me is that he still wasn't the center of his world. He's like, yes, things aren't great, but you know what? There are some people around me whom God it has me in this place. I might as well leverage this space that I am for his glory. Verse 8, we both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interrupt them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. Joseph gives credit to God. So the chief cupbearer told the Joseph his dream. He said to him, in my dream, I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, and I squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember and show kindness to me. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in this dungeon. So Joseph goes, hey, man, I got some good news for you. You're about to get your job back. But when you get blessed and when Pharaoh comes back to restore you to where you were, don't forget about me because I've been falsely put here. I need some help. Don't forget about me because it feels in this season that I've been a bit forgotten. And so you, cupbearer, whom I just blessed with this interpretation through the power of God, don't forget me. And in the midst of this broken situation, we see another fingerprint of God. You can miss it. But God is working. Verse 16. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. See, I love it. The baker's like, oh, 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 I got a dream too. Hopefully you're about to tell me something good. Spoiler alert, it doesn't go well. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impel your body on the pole, and the birds will eat away your flesh. Like, Joseph has no tact, y'all. Like, he wasn't even like, mm, 
Ugh, about that. Sit down. In three days, it's not going to go well for you. No, Joseph was like, listen, bro, I ain't got time to play because I'm hoping this cupbearer is going to tell Pharaoh about what I did for him, and then I'm going to hopefully get out, and I'm going to be seen and restored. But he goes, listen, you're going to die, and they're going to cut off your head, and the birds are going to eat you. Bye. Okay. Like this poor, poor baker. <laughs> like, I wonder what, oh, okay, are you sure? Can you ask God again? Can you redial that? Verse 20. Now, the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Verse 22. But he impelled the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. So here we are again, where Joseph is yet again failed by man. But this is what Joe knows. Joe knows that in Christ, we are never really alone or forgotten. Okay, so my friend who I helped out forgot me, but that is not the character of my God. My God will remember me. My God has not forgotten me. And I love in the narrative of the scripture, as we look through Genesis chapter 39, we will be reminded often of how God does not forget Joseph. It says this in Genesis 39 too, the Lord was with Joseph. 39.3, the Lord was with him. 39.21, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor. Chapter 39, verse 23, the Lord was with him. In Acts 7, 9, when it's talking, and the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt, but God was with him. And so here's what I know. If it was true for Joseph that God was present and God was working and God did not forget him, then it is true for us as well. You have not been forgotten. Do not allow your circumstances to tell you the truth about your God. Your circumstances aren't always indicative of what God is doing. Joseph was going through trial, going through fire, going through valley, going through pit, doing all the things. And it may have appeared that God was not with him, but it was reminded, he was reminded often that God is with you. He has not forgotten you. He is with you. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, this is written to encourage God's people. It says this, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Moses is talking to Joshua before Moses is called up to the mountaintop and Joshua takes over the reins. He goes, listen, here, Joshua, you're going to have to remember this. Be strong and courageous and not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. In Hebrew, you would say, rak hazak. That means be strong and courageous. And you will see this theme come up often in Scripture in the Old Testament as the Israelites were on their journey to the Promised Land. Before they crossed the Jordan River, 
Joshua gets them together and says, hey, be strong and courageous. Let me remind you of what is true because this is what I have been reminded of. And so he would go to him and he would say, Rakazak, before they charged into Jericho after they marched around. It was a battle cry of Rakazak. We do not go alone. We can be strong and courageous. Why? Because we have a God that goes with us. Listen, if ever we needed a battle cry to allow us to move our feet in the right direction to what the king has called us to, it's today. Be strong and courageous because the Lord your God goes with you. I was sitting at a marriage conference, and I heard a guy talk about Rakazak, y'all, and I was just like, whoa. Like this battle cry, this kind of like calling out what is true and walking in what is true, and I was just like, wow, I, that is such a strong reminder. It was so strong of a reminder for me, I went in and I got it tattooed on the inside of my arm. I didn't do this recently because it went with the message, everybody. Y'all like, man, that's commitment. No. And the reason I got it, because there are moments for me today where my strength and my courage is faltering. And I have to remind myself that even though I walk through a valley, who goes in that valley with me? I do not go alone. So what courageous step is the Lord inviting you to take in spite of what you feel? And maybe you're sitting here today, maybe you're watching online, and you're going, you know, that sounds great, Nick. Rakazak, woo, so, so sweet. But Nick, I'm telling you, I mean, I'm going to have to walk this out. My life is not immediately going to get better. Can I go ahead and tell you, it, 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 it might not immediately get better. Can I just tell you that? And here's what is true. Like, Jesus knows about valleys. And we have been called to follow in his footsteps, but he goes before us, he is with us, and he hymns us up. And he's answered our ultimate need by sacrificing his life on a cross. And so let me go ahead and tell you, there are going to be seasons that are dark. There are going to be seasons where you feel forgotten. There are going to be seasons where you don't want to take the next step. Can I just go ahead and say that? There are going to be seasons of storms. There are going to be seasons of pandemics. But the character and the nature of God does not change in the midst God doesn't shift based on circumstances. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so some practical steps we can take is what Joe did. Joe knows that when we feel forgotten, we must shift our focus. See, we can keep looking at the obstacle. We can keep looking at it and be like, "Woo, look at that obstacle. Or we can shift our focus off the obstacle and shift it on the king and know that he is awesome at leveraging the obstacles for opportunities. You might go, Nick, I don't, I don't know if that's true. That, it's okay if you don't believe that to be true. I can give you evidence after evidence after evidence after evidence after evidence of how God does that because God is really good at redeeming things, really good. Really, really good. He took this old rugged cross where his son was surrendered on it and died, and he used it to free us from the bondage of sin and slavery. Redemption doesn't get any better than that. So we have to shift our focus. Colossians 3 verse 1 says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. On things where? Y'all going to have to do better than that. On things where? Thank you. Where Christ is. So we don't look at what's in front of us. We look at what goes before us. 
He's seated at the right hand of God. Why is he seated? Because he's done the work. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And these are great verses to highlight, underline, write on your mirror, write on your steering wheel, put somewhere so you don't forget it. Why do I say that? Because we are forgetful people, are we not? We can sit in this place and watch online and go, man, that's such a good word, such a good reminder. And then we walk out the next day and be like, oh, where is God? You know where he is? In the midst of the broken things with you. His position and his posture does not move or change. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those who are walking this thing out as well, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus is a perfect example. And you know, this, this is the race set before you. I don't know if you're a runner or if you've run lately or maybe you try not to run. I don't love running unless someone's chasing me or there's a donut in front of me, but um, it gets hard. There are hills and valleys and there are times where you want to quit, but it says persevere and keep running and fix your eyes because Jesus is in the midst. He goes before you and he hymns you up. And we have to trust that God is working in our life. Look for the fingerprints, y'all. Look for the fingerprints. And they might not be glaring, but there are fingerprints. But the Lord was with Joseph, and Joseph trusted the Lord. And also, another part of this, of helping us navigate this, is choose to serve others. Can I tell you, that feels so opposite of what we want to do. Can I get an amen? When I'm going through a valley or going through a hard time or when I feel forgotten, the last thing I want to do is to serve you. I'd rather trip you and make it look like an accident. Let's just be real. But can I just tell you, there is something about serving that is a balm for a weary soul. Because sometimes serving somebody else puts things in a better perspective for you. As you're serving other people, you're like, you know what? The Lord is moving in my life. As I'm serving you, I'm thinking less about me. And sometimes that's what we need, right? We don't need to sit in this self-pity and go, oh, woe is me. Yeah, things are hard. But we have a redeemer and he lives. We have to write our perspective, trust that he's working, and we have to choose to serve others. And here's the question we all have to answer. Where is God when we feel overlooked, forgotten, or mistreated. Here's where he is. He is with you. Now, the good news is we get to see Joseph's story and we see how God came through and God redeemed all the broken things. And, and here's the thing. Sometimes we won't see the redemption of all these things until we get to glory. You're like, Nick, that's hard. Yeah. 
but God is still working. It says this in Genesis 41, giving you a preview of what God did. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command, and people shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. And I can't help but as I read about that scene, think about what's to come in glory. Where we get to take our seat at the table of the king and go, you know what? I'm a son or a daughter of the king. And so I have his signet ring. I have my robe of righteousness. I am who he says I am and I have arrived. See, this is just a glimpse of glory. And so maybe for you, though, you're going, Nick, I just don't feel that way. And may I say this to you? If God can make a prince out of a prisoner... He can redeem the broken things in your life and remind you of what is true. Know that he is working. Know that he is moving. And know that he has not left you. So, really my chief takeaway today for us is this. It's lean back. You might go, Nick, what does that mean? That's weird. It is a little weird. And I'm not talking about an early 2000s rap song either, by the way. Lean back. Anyway, sorry. This is what I mean by lean back. So when my wife and I were dating, I kind of got glimpses of how she felt about me. Like we would talk all the time and we would talk for hours. Y'all remember being there where you're like, oh girl, we talk for hours. I just like hearing about your life. You, you pretty. Anyways. But I remember we were going on a picnic. We went on this picnic. We we're both from Atlanta, the Atlanta area. And uh, I remember we went on this picnic, and we had been dating for a while, and I knew she had liked me, and I was like, yeah, she likes me, I like her, she's pretty, I'll marry her, great. But I remember we were sitting in this picnic, and I was sitting next to her, and we were talking, and we were talking about all kinds of stuff. And we're in this historical park, and we're sitting there, and then she did this thing that showed me in a way that she trusted me. As we were sitting there, and we were talking, and we were just looking at the butterflies float and, you know, I don't know, listening to poetry and jazz music, I don't know. She did this thing. She, I was sitting kind of behind her and she just leaned back. Now, you might not think that's that big of a deal. You might go, oh, that's not that big of a deal. But see, when you lean back, you're trusting that the person who, who is behind you has you. You lean back and you just rest in their strength and you rest in the fact that they got you. And so when I say really the posture that we have to have is to lean back. Why? You might go, who are we leaning back into? What are we leaning up against? Well, you're leaning into the presence of your king who is there. He is present. He has not left you. He has not forsaken you. You can be strong and courageous because your God goes before you. Your God is in your midst and your God hems you up and has your back. And y'all, I've been listening to this song. And the title is Lean Back, and it has me all in my feelings. It's like me and the Holy Spirit are hanging out in my car, and I'm like, glory. And the words of the song are, I have just leaned back into your loving arms of my Father. And I can rest and know that I'm not forgotten and that I have not been left to do this on my own, but I can lean back into your love and experience a love that I've never felt in the midst of the valley, in the midst of the brokenness, in the midst of the unknown. I know you. 
and you don't move and you don't leave. And so I am going to lean back. So what I want you to do in the next few moments, I want you to allow Daniel and our worship team to sing this over you and be reminded about the posture of your king, a king that does not leave you, a king that goes before you, a king that is in your midst, and a king that has your back, and a king that is not forgetful. He sees you, he knows your name, and he loves you. And because of that, you can lean back into the loving arms of our Father. Let Daniel sing this over you.